going from automated lighting to theater and sport teacher to now successful strategic intervention coach. Travia Stewart shares with us today the power of belief and how she uses it to overcome her breast cancer. She uses the same techniques to take her students to state champions and wins against a whole lot of other people. You don't have to wait for the future to come. You can live and role play as your ideal selves now. So I hope you enjoy this video and learn lots just like I did. Travia, so excited to have you with us. Oh my God, theater, everything, high energy. I love it. Thank you for joining me on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. You know, like a lot of people are, like I have a lot of friends who are introverts. I am definitely not an introvert. My top core values are love and connection. So thank you for the opportunity to connect with you today. Oh yeah, no, I actually, the pleasure is completely mine. So what I would love to do is give a brief bio about who you are. Okay. You mentioned a few things that I remember and we'll jump right into the questions. Is that okay with you? Absolutely, let's do it. Awesome, great. So for those of you who don't know, Trey is a performance and life coach raised in South Louisiana. She is the youngest of five kids who played sports from a young age and then went on to play college softball for Northwestern State University. At Northwestern, she graduated with a bachelor's of arts in speech and theater. Out of college, she worked for Very Life Automated Lighting, but then realized somewhere during that time something was missing. She quit that job and applied for a teaching position in East Texas. And on her first day of putting her resume out, she was called, interviewed, and hired on the spot. Ridiculous, right? So Trey taught theater and speech while coaching softball and basketball at the same time after school and directing one act plays at night. It was during the time that she realized that it was theater she wanted to concentrate on. And during her first three years of teaching and directing, her acting company and their play qualified for the state competition. Making various trips to Austin as a state qualifier, she finally won the coveted state title in 2005. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and Tra Trey then moved on to Arizona where she continued to teach for 14 more years. Her students have gone on to performing on stages around the country, on television screens, as well as in movies. Looking to help serve in a different way, Trey started a business called Reinvent You. She is, she is a strategic intervention trained coach who works with many kinds of people who teach them performance and communication skills to improve all aspects of their lives. It has become her mission to inspire and change the lives of thousands of people, helping them reinvent themselves into the person they always dreamed they could be. So without further ado, Trey, Ooh. if you don't mind, are you okay with that bio? Was that good? Absolutely, thank you, Alex. Awesome, awesome. Let's get started. Okay. So this whole concept of strategic intervention coaching, what is that exactly? So basically that is a branch of, so I've always been enamored with Tony Robbins. And so 
when you know I followed him, I did. A, I, I've never attended one of his live events. I've always wanted to, but I followed him. I followed his teachings. You know, taking massive action is the way to go. You know, it's one of his models that he lives by. Well, he and Chloe Madonna started Robin's Madonna's Coaching, and Chloe Madonna's has a daughter named Magali, Magali Pasha and her husband, Mark. So strategic intervention is like you have Robin Madonna's training and strategic intervention is like a branch of that coaching. And so what I loved about being trained by them is that they were so hands-on. It's like along with Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins like basically follows a formula. With this situation, I can give you five different steps and you can pull anybody out of depression. You can pull anybody out of having suicidal thoughts, you know? So basically, it's always a plan for everything. Well, with strategic intervention, I'm trained with advanced relationship coaching, and that's a specialty that Tony Robbins and Chloe Madonna's didn't offer, but I find that I absolutely thrive. Again, my core value is core um, love and connection. So I think we were put on this earth so that we could connect with, with other people and love each other. And I feel like we come alive when you know that someone else has your best interest in, in, for you and, and that you can wake up and wake up next to someone in the bed and, and, and just have somebody, you know, be the light of your life. I think that's what love is all about. And that's what life is all about. And so strategic intervention, advanced relationship coaching is a matter of, okay, so there's a set of skills, a set of techniques and methods and strategies that you can look at. Like for instance, if it's a matter of, oh, okay, this couple isn't communicating well. Well, I've been trained for 24 years in communication and how to strengthen those things. But there are also ways to get couples as well as individuals in touch with themselves to heighten that level of self-care, to find more passion in their marriage. So the strategic intervention is there's a strategy for every single problem that you could encounter. Nice, nice, wonderful. And so, I mean, you have probably a smattering of types of people that come to you, right? What are the ones that usually, I guess, thrive using this kind of technique or this kind of coaching method? Do we have to have some sort of prereqs or can just anybody come and find you? You know, anybody can come and find me. I don't think there ever needs to be a prerequisite, but I find that, which is so funny, all of my clients right now are male. I feel like for some reason, the, the males resonate with me. And I think because, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I have a percentage of that masculine energy, but being a female, I know exactly how women think. And so possessing a percentage of that masculine energy and being a female, I think really, really brings the men, the, the men to my way so that, you know, it's kind of like getting both at the same time. And then it helps with it, with role playing. And I mean, so yeah, I can help anybody. I mean, we can talk about, you know, accountability. We can talk about how do I increase communication? You know, I have a couple clients right now that just want more friends. Like they want to be able to talk to anybody there is. I mean, I can go outside on the street and talk to a rock, <laughs> you know, I can find something interesting to talk about, but I have never, I don't recall a time when I've ever been shy. Yeah. So yeah, so any person that comes to me where I feel like, you know, you still have to mesh, you still have to match. I still have to feel like I can serve that person 
in essence of transforming their life for the better or the relationship. And then we form that bond, we form that connection and we work together. Right. I love how your values of connection and bond and relationship buildings, not only your core values, but the values that your clients bring to you as well. And I right. guess that plays into whole, you know, the alignment between you and them mm-hmm. and that resonance between, you know, your work together. Absolutely. And, and so I'm, I'm curious now, this whole, your passion about reinventing you. Mm-hmm. Right? You are leading a movement here. You're taking people from point A to point B. I mean, why are you so passionate about all that? You know, <sighs> so in 2017, my mom passed away. And it started with, I've always been a very, very curious child. And from, you know, when people die, they become angels. Before my mother died, she said whatever came out of her mouth, whether it was nice or whether it was was rude, right? And so I always wanted to know stories about her and my father. And so I would ask things like, you know, oh, my, my dad, you know, fought in the Korean War. So one time I said, uh, I said, mom, you know, my older sister, they found some, some letters that my dad typed you when he was in the war. Oh, can you tell me about that? Tell me how you guys met. And, you know, she'd be like, oh, quit. Don't ask me all those stupid ass questions. I don't have time for that. You know, you got better things to do. You better get your ass out here and go to work. That kind of thing, you know. And so, again, in the moment you're offended. But now I just love telling stories about her. So she lived to be 85 and she was always a person who read her Bible from morning to night and she only read Psalms, right? She never deterred away from that book of the Bible, just Psalms. So one day about six months or so, uh, I asked her if, and I said, mom, you know, you have lived 85 years on this earth. What are you the most proud of? And she goes, what are you talking about? What, 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 why are you asking me so many questions? You're too nosy. And then she just went off and off and off. So I just persisted. And I said, you know, just, just tell me one thing, even if it's not having five kids, you know, what is the thing that you're the most proud of? What is your biggest accomplishment? And then she finally said, I don't know. I went to work. I put food on the table for you guys. You always had a place to stay. I guess that's it. And so I turned that question back around to myself and I said, okay, let me see if I can come up with 10 accomplishments in my whole life. And I came up with like six that I was really, really proud of. I mean, graduating from college, those types of things. But it was in that moment that I realized that I just was living a very, very average life. I wasn't pushing myself. I was no longer as passionate about getting up and going to the work as I had been in the past. And I realized that, you know, my mom always wanted better, but she didn't know how to get better. All she knew was, you know, you're a product of your environment, you're a product of the people you spend the most time with. All she knew was she needed to go to work, she needed to put food on the table, she needed to care for her family. But I, in that moment, knew that I needed to do more because I didn't wanna go to, I mean, I I will be blessed and, and lucky you know, to live 85 years, actually I'm going for a hundred. <laughs> but if I can look back on my life and go, oh my God, I have, it's not about just the accomplishments, but it's about, I've been a teacher for 24 years. 
I feel like I've impacted lives. I feel like my work is done there. I feel like I have a second chapter that's already started where I want to impact the lives of a thousand people. So in order to change careers, in order to just take on different challenges, I have had to reinvent myself. You know, I've had to, to, to acquire habits. I've had to work on a different scale. I've had to be, you know, more obsessed about what it is that I want to do, the difference that I want to make on this earth. So when I close my, when I close my eyes and take my last breath, I will not take my dreams to the grave with me. So that's why I've wanted to, and, and have gone through the problem. And I'm still reinventing myself. I hope to do that until I close my eyes. Yeah. Wow. That's an amazing story. And your mother, I mean, to be quite frank, she's so lucky to have you, to have you, someone ask that question. I mean, I'm sure you talked to her about what she did and brought some light to that, right? Absolutely. A lot of people like to dismiss these small wins. Yeah. And yet to us, they're huge feats, right? They are. Putting food on the table, raising the kids, coming home to a warm house, these are, they sound simple, but she's so good at it that she kind of dismissed it and said, oh, that's it, right? Yeah, she did. She certainly did because, you know, that's all she needed to do. That's all she felt like she had to do. And she did her job. Right, right. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, and so throughout this process of reinventing yourself, right, mm-hmm. are there any stories in which are maybe heroes' journeys that you could share with us or experiences that you found yourself going from, you know, the old you to the new you? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Absolutely. So a huge way that I am still reinventing myself, which I think is so important. And I just didn't know what effect it was having on me until I was diagnosed with breast cancer in January of 2020. And before then, for years when someone said oh my god i have a backache and oh and they go to the doctor and it's bone cancer well then i wonder well does my back hurt and do i have bone cancer you know and then someone is like oh my god and it's like oh i found a lump what is it so and you know i would pass this hospital it was like md anderson on my way to work every day and i would not look at it because it was like Oh, don't look at that. You're going to turn a stone. Don't look at that. You're going to get cancer, that kind of thing. And so I really believe that I have always been afraid of getting sick, mainly of getting cancer, Mm. which is why I am such a believer in your subconscious playing such a role, you know, and, you know, if you don't mind me bringing up the fact that I did a session with you and you helped me overcome that demon, that, that, that Inez person, you know, who I felt like was talking to me, was, was, was giving me all this negative chatter, you know, that was created based on stories that I was telling myself. And so I realized that I had more control of my thinking than I realized. I'm not my thoughts. I'm just a thinker of those thoughts. And so coming through that cancer journey, I think everything absolutely happens for a reason. Because again, I'm theatrical, I can be a little dramatic. So the second when, you know, she's like, oh my God, it's carcinoma. You know, the tears roll down and I'm like, oh God, you know, I mean, it's just you. And you know, you try to contain yourself, but you automatically think it's the end of the world. And then 
I said, okay, okay, I got this. And so it was an early stage because I tell you what, I use every bit of my insurance. I go to the doctor. If I feel like I'm sneezing one too many times, I will go. And so the journey of breast cancer just came along just at such a perfect time. And so because I was always a very, very positive person externally, but I had all these negative thoughts. So the reinvention came through when I said, okay, I got this. I'm the thinker of my thoughts. And if I'm the thinker of my thoughts, I can change those thoughts. So I've been, so gradually I started replacing all those thoughts. So it was my gynecologist who first delivered the news and, you know, she said it's, it's, it's cancer, it's carcinoma. And so now when I replay that story in my head, like, you know, she looks at me and says, you've got this. I never hear that other sentence anymore. She says, you've got this. And, and so coming through that journey has been probably one of the best things that's ever happened because it made me appreciate my health. It made me appreciate life. It made me appreciate waking up, having air in my lungs. And so, and it was just a nice little reminder that we're just not all guaranteed to be here tonight, you know, or tomorrow. And so I think we could all use some friendly, you know, maybe not cancer, but just friendly reminders that it's never too late to do something different. It's never too late to reinvent yourself. It's because I also had that urgency. Oh my God, is it too late? No, it's not too late. This is a perfect time. I'm in the perfect place to do these things. But it took me a long time to get there because I fought Am I, am I, have I waited too long? I fought that for two or three years. Mm. So yeah, so it definitely overcame that, <laughs> that struggle that I would say that is, that is my hero's journey and I am cancer free. And yeah, so I, I'm ready to just kick all the doors down when, you know, when they open the doors open again, that's the COVID-19. <laughs> so fantastic. No, thank you so much for, for getting vulnerable with us. And I know for, for many, that's not easy. And for those of you who are listening, I hope you take away a message from Trey, you know, learn from her stories because I know I have to really slow down and, and appreciate the things we have is so important. Right. And to know that it's never too late to reinvent ourselves, you know? Um, so throughout that whole entire process, now you come from a theater background, you come from sports, you come from a, really cool background okay it's probably why i'm so intense all the time <laughs> <laughs> i want to know if you somewhere along the way picked up some techniques or, or mindsets that you could offer to to audience to the audience today that maybe they could take on themselves and slowly gradually incorporate into their lives you know it's 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 kind of a little bit of all of the above it wasn't until I started reinventing myself and doing the work on myself that I realized that my, most of my life, I didn't think I was enough. Even though I was decent in sports, I played college, college softball, I still always thought, you know, if there were 15 people on a softball team, 12 of them were better than me. Even though I was the fastest on the team, still, that wasn't good enough. And so for a very, very long time, I would 
think, okay, what is this? And so there were times in my life where I kind of was stuck in that pattern. And it wasn't until I became, honestly, um, a theater director. And then I realized that I found something that I absolutely loved. And one act play became my baby. And so it was like, okay, the first year we competed, well, you know, you go through like six different levels. It's zone, district, area, regional, state, blah, 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 blah. And you're competing against like, like if you're a two-way size school, you're competing against all the two-way schools in all of Texas. So the first year, we didn't advance. We lost the first performance. And so what I learned was, huh, okay. You know, success leads, leaves clues. So every single year, there was the state competition, which was down in Austin, Texas. So I said, okay, if I want to be with the best, then I have to see what the best are doing. And so the next year I went, I, what, that year I went and watched the state plays. The next year we got to regionals and we were alternate to state. And I said, next year we're at state. Year number three, we were at state competing. And so the point was, I started telling myself that this is what's happening. We're going to state, you know? And so I started believing in my gifts and my talents and my kids. And I started motivating them to the point to where they felt like we were, you know, we were a 2A school. We can go be 6A schools. I mean, we really thought that much of ourselves in our performances. And that's something that I wish I had as a child, as a college athlete, as a high school athlete. And so, right, you know, so I would say that was definitely when my mindset started picking up and it started improving for the better. And then after that, it was like, okay, now still had these negative thoughts about, oh, what if, you know, so-and-so is saying something, but I developed such a level of confidence in my ability to figure things out. Right. And so that's helped. And so it goes to, and I love that sign behind you. For those who are listening on podcasts, Trey has this huge sign behind her right now that says believe, right? And it sounds to me, there's so many clues in your successes where that power of belief came to play, yeah. right? Absolutely. You believed in yourself, you believed in your students, you believed in your school, right? Yep. And wow, you, you've gone on to do some amazing stuff. And so does purpose or, or, you know, posture or anything like that have to do with anything? Because I know for me, I look at physiology. I look at the purpose and big whys of, of why anybody yes. does anything to really pull them towards their goal, right? Mm -hmm. For you and your experience, could you maybe, it, does that incorporate into your training, uh, the way you work with kids and how does it help them? So absolutely. Um, at the very beginning of the year, we actually, we do it twice a year. We do it in August and we do it in January. And this is what I do with my coaching clients. So with my students, what I would do is go, okay, I, I, I need you to figure out what your big vision is. What is that vision? We do these exercises to where, you know, I, we, you know, it's a theater, it's a little black box theater. So I turn down the lights real low, put the blue lights on, and then I put on like some meditative type music. And what I've always loved is talking them through the process. And so I will talk to them about really, really setting big goals. Don't just be 
you know, okay with showing up to class every day. Don't be okay, you know, if you audition for the show and you're third tree from the right. No, let's go for a supporting role with speaking lines. Let's go for the lead role. And so I also have some students in my class who want to be behind the scenes. So every person sets a vision, a goal, an objective, their purpose, something that they're working towards each semester, because it could change in January when the second semester starts. And so I'm a, I like to apply benchmarks, sort of like, you know, here we go, we've hit the first benchmark and did I audition? Yes, but I didn't get the role I want, so what's the next thing? What are the actions that you're taking in between so it's not just, oh, I'm talking about this and it's just all talk. No, what are the actions? What is the plan that you're having? So I think having a purpose and having intention in everything that you do is so vitally important because so many times we can just lose out on moments. You know, I've had students who said, I just had no idea. Had I, had I tried harder, had I, had I prepared better, I just would have done better. And now I feel like this whole semester is wasted because I didn't get the role that I wanted and I don't have any speaking lines and now I'm blah, 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 blah. So yeah, having purpose just, you know, and purpose in your life, intention when you get up every day. So not just with my students, I use purpose every single day when I get up out of bed, you know? And so probably about once every two months, I will do, what does my perfect day look look like now? Hmm. And as a matter of fact, um, and <laughs> let me tell you a story about that. <laughs> so, um, so I've got, I've got some like some C7 stuff going on in my neck. So uh, I had just done my perfect day. This is what I want. This is, and so what I do is I go through and go, how can I really make this happen? How can I make sure I'm doing the bulk of this? You know, you were, I think we were talking about one time about the 16 things that Sean Stevenson says, you do four out of the 16 things. Well, I look at it as my perfect day. If I do at least 50% of those things, it's a great time. So I'm highly claustrophobic, okay? I have had numerous MRIs. Well, and I've also, you know, started an MRI, got so claustrophobic because I opened my eyes because it's literally like, it feels like the deal's right here. So not that I've ever been in a coffin, but it feels like you're in a coffin, right? That you can imagine that's what a coffin feels like. So I had an MRI a couple days ago and I knew, you know, close your eyes as, and it was a little rickety. So when they're rolling me in there, I could feel, and then my arms started touching and I could feel, oh, okay, this is not going to be good. And then something else touched and then my eyes opened. And so I immediately panicked. I, I you know, was pushing the little thing. I need out, I need out. They got me out and I was like, well, this is insane. You're acting like a crazy person right now. And I realized it and I was like, none of that crap that you're thinking is true. Mm -hmm. So, you know, see the thinking for not being true. And so I said, okay, now I did ask for a towel to cover my eyes. So even if I did open them, but then I went through that MRI for 45 minutes and thought and visualized my entire perfect day. And so the tools that I use is, you know, you, those thoughts, was I in a coffin? No, I was in an MRI machine that was going to help, you know, the doctors figure out where the impingement is. This is for my benefit. And telling myself that I was in a coffin and this was it was just asinine, you know? So using the power of visualization, 
the power of I'd rather think about this than that mm. is really, really a good tip, a good tool that anybody could use at any moment. Right, right. So. And I, for me, myself, actually, I'm a true believer of where focus goes, energy flows, right? Yes. And where energy flows, it expands. Absolutely. So in your case, Love that. when you're looking at, you know, being in a coffin, the more you focus on it, the more it becomes real, right? Yeah. <laughs> so true. Right. And, and for you, you decided and you had that right of mind, the awareness to say, I don't need this right now. Nope. I can drop it. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So, and then I got out of there and just felt like I had won. Yeah. <laughs> I won. So yeah. It is, I thought it was also really interesting how you were able to shift your mind to reframe it. Mm-hmm. To think that whatever was going on in that moment was for you, not against you. Right. Right. Absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you for that. I'm sure whoever's listening, they're gonna they'll be able to use that either tomorrow or so. I hope so. Yeah. I I mean I use it probably several times every single day. Yeah. About the least little thing. Okay. So yeah. Now, as we're talking and and the techniques and all that, I have this burning sensation to ask this one question. Okay. What is the secret to getting to states with your team and your students? You know, it's I, I don't know if it's a secret, but I asked when I wasn't advancing, there were critic judges who were like, you know, it was like, okay, you, they choose the winning play and they, they rank you. And so I always ask cause we got critiqued. And then, so, you know, they kind of sugarcoat it with the kids. So I remember the very first time that year two, I went up to the judge and I said, can you please tell me like the honest truth as to why we're not advancing? And he did. Hmm. And he said, I just didn't believe you. I was like, okay. He said, your students were walking to the edge of the stage and they were just delivering lines. He said, I didn't believe them. Wow. And so that started my journey of becoming the character. I don't, I don't, you know, directors are different. You can, you know, some directors are proponents for becoming, like really feeling when you step into that rehearsal, you are that character until you leave that building. You know, there are some fame, which is a part of method acting. There are some famous actors who believe in that, you know, like one of the not so great examples was uh, when he played the Joker, uh, uh, Heath Ledger total method actor but sometimes method acting can put you so deep in the character to where you take that character home with you Mm. so you have to also learn when to turn it off but i believe that with the right balance becoming the character was just much more believable which actually is such a huge component in my coaching is because I just found them to be so much more believable when they took on those characteristics. So when rehearsal started, I would say, okay, everybody take five minutes, you know, do your visualization, do your, your, your meditation, whatever it is, get in a character. And in five minutes, we are like, if the town was, you know, in Ireland, we're all in Ireland. And even I would be, you know, if we had accents, I would have an accent. And so I would walk through them during their warm-ups and I would talk to them as a, a townsperson, you know, but something that kept them in character. And so that is one of the things that I use with my coaching because 
I love to role play. And because I get to know my clients on such a deep level, especially with relationship coaching, I've learned so much about their partner who is not one of my clients, but I've learned so much about them to where I pretty much know how they would respond to things based on what my client says. Mm -hmm. And so I take on the role, the characteristics and the personas of, and then I, you know, and then we role play. Okay. What if this happens? What if that happens? And then say, okay, when we start, we keep going. It doesn't matter what I say to you. You have to keep going until I say, stop. When we say stop only then, can you not be in character? And so those are the, like one of the different examples of, okay, because I responded, the client, because I responded that way, I'm not really, I, I want someone to treat me as if my conversation is significant, but I'm not listening to them either. I have preconceived notions during this conversation because I'm bringing in what happened yesterday into the conversation today that has nothing to do with it. And so knowing, having that purpose and having that intention, as far as this is what we're working on, we're becoming, we're in character, and this is the person who I wanna show up as, is a huge proponent of coaching and my directing. I love that. And I think it was actually Rich Littman who says something along the lines of, a goal is somewhere to come from come from not go towards right yeah yeah because you want to believe that you already are that person right so true and so yeah another question comes to mind is that when you're doing a play or when you're doing an act right you have a script you know yes. exactly who's going to say what who's going to yep. do when yep. who's going to wear what you know what scene's going to look like how does that translate into real life so I believe that each person, like, you know, when we walk through our lives and we don't have a plan, don't have purpose, don't have intention, we just become reactive to all the things that are happening. Like, for instance, my mom didn't plan things. So, you know, she was an insurance agent and then she kind of did like some little home health kind of stuff. So life happened to her for 85 years. Mm. I believe that we can all create the life that we want to live, right? So just like you have a full-length play, a movie, a script, a novel, whatever it is, people, when you get a clue as to, you know, this is what my life could be. And if I see my life at 100, okay, how did I get there? What is that grand vision of what my life looks like at 100? Well, I'm, you know, I'm sitting in a house that is made of nothing but glass and I'm overlooking the water and, you know, I can jump right into the water, you know, maybe you're in Fiji or something. But you don't just wake up and have that. And so now we're creating that grand vision. Oh, I'm surrounded with grandkids. Oh, I have, you know, a, a house cleaning, you know, service that comes over. I have whatever, a, a Porsche and I, whatever it is, whatever that life is, then now let's backtrack. How did he get those things? Who was the person that he had to become? So I believe, I'm a firm believer in creating the life that you want to live but I mean, it, it takes, you got to think about, well, what is it that I want? A lot of people, like here's an example, right? <laughs> At the very beginning of the school year, some of the, uh, I would ask the kids, you know, what is it that you want to be? And most of them would say an actor or performer, but some of them would be like, I don't know. I, I don't know, miss, you know? And so I was like, okay, 
how much money do you want to make? And be like, oh, I want to make a million dollars. And I was like, is that in your lifetime or in a year? Oh, in a year. And so I would say, okay, what's the job? I don't know. And then some of them would think of something like a doctor. And so then, of course, I would say, okay, or the grades you're making today, <laughs> will they set you up to get into anybody's medical school, much less college, much less whatever? Uh, no. And so I just believe in creating your own life so that you can, you know, there's some people who want to own their own business. There's some people who want to be able to make enough money to where they can afford to travel whenever they want to. I believe that's creating the life that you want to live. You know, some people just want to be able to take care of their family. I would have loved to have bought my mom like a house, you know, had I had a plan earlier than today, you know. Um, but absolutely, just we are all in control every single day. And every single day, we can wake up and change something. We can change something about the rest of our life. We can change something about the path that we're moving down towards and just be intentional. And the grand, you know, when you look back at it, how much time was actually wasted? Mm. How much time, you know, if, you, if you're wasting three hours just on social media or just going, I don't feel like doing anything, I just want to watch television. Now, nothing's wrong with resting, but if you go back and you add all that time up, over 10 years, over 50 years, and just think how much further you could have been along if you just had a plan, purpose, and if you were just intentionally creating the life that you want to live. And so that's why, yeah, I love that that's a place to come from. Nice. Absolutely. That sounds fantastic. And I love how you're living it for yourself and you preach it while you coach as well. Absolutely. So, so speaking of coaching, this all sounds fantastic, Trey. I mean, for the viewers and for the listeners, how do they get a hold of you and, and what do they need to do to, to work with you? You know, I, I am on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Travia Stewart Coach on Instagram, just Travia Stewart on Facebook. I have a website, TraviaStewart.com. Um, I think if you just, if you just Google me, I, it will come up. My website, you know, because of course we all Google ourselves now. But yeah, just, just Google, contact me. There's a contact form right on my website. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very easy to get in touch with me. Send me a message on Instagram, DM me, PM me, whatever it is. But I'm excited about this chapter in my life. I'm excited. Nothing has been more rewarding than the growth that I'm experiencing in myself and the growth that I'm seeing in the clients that I'm working with. And so just having that opportunity to continue to transform lives. I mean, I have a goal, you know, by the time I'm a hundred, I want to have transformed or helped 1000 people. And so that's big. Yeah. That's big. So, yeah, but you know, it would be silly and it would be average for me to sit here and go, I want to help 12 people. Yeah. No, I want to help a thousand. So that's my goal. Dream big, live big. I love Dream it. Big. Absolutely. Well, I want to take this opportunity to say thank you again for joining me on the show. Your knowledge and your wisdom and the techniques, oh my God, that you've shared with us today, I, even I'm going to take them with me as I get off this call with you here. Um, and I wish you a great day and the best with all the people, the thousand people that are going to be touched by, by Who is Trey. Thank you so much, Alex. And you know, it's been a real privilege 
to be here with you. And I appreciate the opportunity to be on your connect the dots, baby. <laughs> Thanks, Trey. All right. You Absolutely. have a good one. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.